everyone, and welcome to episode 407 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you doing this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. Doing well. How are you doing? I am doing super well. We have some, well, other than the Bills game yesterday. Oh, my God. It was entertaining, at least, but what a what a Bills way to lose. But anyway, that's a super, super off topic here. We don't got to get into all that. We got another co-host in Crib. Good morning, Crib. How you doing today? Morning. Uh, it's going all right. It's going all right. Uh, pretty excited. Got a little taste of Brothers War over the weekend, so I'm, I'm just pumped on the new standard. Yeah, one more day to go for the full set release if you're waiting for Brothers War. So we were thinking about talking about Brothers War today, but we decided since we only had early access and that meta is not necessarily representative of what a quote-unquote real standard will look like, we're going to hold off until next week to uh, give our impressions of Brothers War and standard in other formats. As far as today, we got some interesting topics. We got some Moto in Arena news that we want to get into, uh, Golden Packs on Arena, Transformers on Moto. We got some weird spoilers, some new Secret Layer event promos, some Jumpstart 2022 stuff, and then a couple of big questions. One from Aaron Forsyth uh, from Wizards about why Paper Standard is dying, uh, more or less in his words, and a big thing from this morning about Bank of America really going hard after Wizards uh, for their business practices and downgrading their stock price. Uh, so we're going to get into all that, hopefully answer some fish mail. Before we do, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your Magic cards. If you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You don't got to spend all the time typing and shipping and doing all that work. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to put in a little bit of effort on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% free and no matter which option you choose you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once your order gets processed and right now you can even get another 10 percent off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtgoldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so big thanks to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and let's start with things I would say are actually very positive pieces of news about digital magic. Let's start with Arena and specifically Golden Pack. So I don't know if y'all have uh, looked into this at all, but I'm so excited about this. So last week, Wizards announced they're doing this new thing with Brothers War where if you buy 10 packs from the store, you're going to get a Golden Pack for free. And that might not sound all that great, like buy 10, get one free. But these Golden Packs are actually all rares and mythics. You're guaranteed to at least get one mythic and all the rares have a chance of upgrading to a mythic so essentially this is a huge huge cost reduction for people who just buy packs and don't play limited to the point where wizards mentioned in the announcement article that they realized uh something that the community has known for a while that the economy works pretty well if you're a heavy drafter you end up with all the cards just from doing drafts but if you're not someone who's good at draft or plays a lot of draft the economy is pretty crappy for you and this is supposed to roughly even it out so now just opening packs from the store thanks to these golden packs should make just cracking packs almost as valuable as drafting those packs which is traditionally like the best way to build a collection if anyone asks like go do a bunch of drafts and that's how you build a collection on the cheap so what do y'all think of this golden pack news is the arena economy good now is it finally saved thanks to golden packs and also this scares me a little bit because why would wizards make such a generous change to the arena economy when historically they just don't do that like they don't make positive changes and if they do make a positive change they usually counteract it with a negative change so the overall economy stays the same richard what do you think about golden packs and why are they doing this yeah so it's all upside right like you mentioned they didn't <laughs> yeah. take away something from somewhere so arena is better today than it was yesterday yep. however if you're a free-to-play player or you're a low spender like this does nothing for you right like you have to pay money to buy packs and now well, you get better packs, right? But if you is... don't pay money, do, do, do you get anything? So it does count packs bought with gold. So it's going to benefit someone like me most okay. to like spends a bunch of money. But if you save up your gold and like spend the gold on the new set or whatever, you will still get the golden packs. Okay. So um, a, a slight increase for, for yeah. the pace of acquiring cards. But I don't know. I think the fundamental issues remain the same, right? It's like really hard as a free-to-play player to grind into a real deck um it's very hard to change decks once you have decks and 
I, I don't know. I don't. I think if you're spending money, this helps you. But if you're not spending money, like this doesn't help you too much. It helps you a little bit, but uh, I hate to bring it up, but you know, Marvel Snap, you can acquire the full collection with no money invested, right? Like there are games where you get access to all the playing pieces without spending money, right? Or there's like a set time. Like if you do your dailies for, you know, two months, you get the whole set, something like that, right? But Magic doesn't have that, right? So it's like, eh, you know, it got better, but I'm... I'm still gonna play Moto. I'm not I'm not playing Arena. <laughs> what a what do you think, Grim, about golden packs in the arena economy? I am very surprised that yeah, it is, as mentioned before, it's just all upside. So I see I mean, I'm happy. Right? Like even yeah. if you don't like you don't like whale it up, you still get like like a golden pack with just buying it with gold, right? So I don't know. I think this is just all upside. No reason. Uh, like uh, I'm not gonna question it, other than the fact that hey, maybe this is uh, an actual good update on the economy. I mean, I think I'm it's... gonna ask you to question it. Like, why? Why? Why is Arita dying? Like, why are they starting to give out handouts on Arita? I, you know, I think that probably is, in fact, probably has to do something with where what we're gonna talk about a little bit later. Um, when it comes to the formats available on Arena. And I think people want people like I think Arena wants you to get into like to use Arena for standard, right? To play standard. But I think therein lies a problem with standard, not so much Arena. Do you think this makes Wizards more money? I've been trying to figure this out. So they're giving a huge cost reduction on buying packs, but I'm sure their hope is this is going to incentivize people to either buy more packs or play more arena, which will lead to them buying packs. Like, do you think this is a a net gain or loss as far as Wizards bottom line? I mean, get new players, it would be a net gain. That's got to be what they're hoping for. Like like Seth just pays less money now. So that's obviously not good, right? So if it's all the existing players, uh, then I think that's that's their hope. I don't know if they're getting new players. Like the the problem with free-to-play games is like, you know, you get whatever free stuff you get, right? Like it's quite reasonable, right? And then when you look at the how much money you spend versus how much stuff you get, you're like, that is like so little compared to your free stuff. So people don't spend any money, right? So this makes it closer so you might be more likely to spend money if you're a free-to-play player um so it, it's going to depend how many new players there are and how many people are in that bucket but like people you know if you're on reddit if you're on twitter probably like you're probably spending less money now right you probably have full collections you're probably buying everything and, and this probably makes wizard less money I made a I made a video about this yesterday, and uh, the the response was interesting. I didn't really see many people that disliked it. I think everyone agrees it's a positive, and to some degree, depending on how you play. If anyone disliked it, it was limited players who were just like not affected by it. But it was interesting that some people basically said. The stuff like I've quit arena and this isn't going to get me back. This isn't generous enough for me to get back yeah. into arena. But then there were also people who were like, I've never spent money on arena before, or I used to play arena, but I quit because I couldn't keep up or I fell behind because I didn't play for a while. And I felt like I couldn't catch up, but this is going to get me to buy like the 50 pack bundle. If I'm going to get five golden packs on top of the 50 pack pre-release bundle, that's actually like enough to get me to spend money on arena for the first time or on arena again for the first time in a while. So it'll be interesting to see which of those groups wins. I don't think this means the economy's fixed and like generous by any stretch. And people pointed that out. Like other games are still more generous than arena, even with this change, but it is a strictly better economy than it was before they announced this, I think. So we'll have to wait and see. It's uh, To me, it's just shocking that there's good economic news because I don't think it's ever happened before. This is the first yeah. time that an economic change has just been like purely good that I can remember. So if we get a few more changes like this in the future, maybe we end up with a relatively decent economy on Arena. But <laughs> any, other, any other Arena thoughts before we moto it? Okay, so Arena... Wait, wait. So the consensus, would you recommend Arena to one of your friends that doesn't play Magic? I, I still recommend it Given just to learn the game. Just to learn the game. Um, like to play against Sparky. But how long they'll stay on Arena, that, that's entirely dependent on the economy, right? So uh, I think I would recommend Arena if you just want to learn the basics of how to play the game. Uh, and then, like, yeah, like I mean, it is still a very expensive like client to get on. Uh, so hopefully this is a step in the right direction. I 
I always do, but it's with the asterisk of, but it's expensive. <laughs> like, it's a really good way to learn magic. I'm just going to warn you going into it that if you end up spending money on this, it does get expensive really fast. So I still do recommend it to people because I do think, like Krim said, it is a great way to learn. The rules engine's pretty good. It looks more like a modern video game than Magic Online, which matters to some people in 2022. But I do try to give them a little heads up that <laughs> it does it does get expensive fast. I would still point people to Moto. I know, so weird, huh? Play the spreadsheet. But like, or, you know, like if you wanted a mobile game, I would actually give them a mobile game. Uh, like, there, there are plenty of other free-to-play mobile games, not just Marvel Snap, right? Snap is actually like a, a card game, right? But... Uh, there are plenty of other free games that I, I just play and I spend no money. I get lots of entertainment, right? Yeah. And they're quick yeah. and digestible, right? So, uh, but, you know, if you really wanted to play Magic, I would say a loan account on Moto gives you that freedom and lets you actually enjoy Magic as intended, like brew and like try, try new cards and switch decks and do whatever, right? So if I, I don't think it's fixed and I hope Wizards doesn't, declare a great success and call it a day on the economy i hope they're actually still trying to uh do something with it <laughs> well the other bit of digital news we got is something that is especially relevant to crim because i know you've been wondering about this for a couple of weeks and that is whether the transformer cards would be coming to magic online and we found out that they are but in a kind of different way than usual normally in the past secret layer cards had just shown up in treasure chests so if you like win an yeah. event you open a treasure chest and you get the cards the transformer cards you essentially have to buy the whole secret layer drop from the store for $25 which i guess is when you add in tax it's probably about the cost of the actual secret layer drop give or take like you're close to the cost of the secret layer drop Krim, what do you think about this are you hyped that we got transformers what do you think about this release model like is it worth it for someone like you to spend 25 bucks to get them on magic online I mean, I like it. I, I like that it hits the like the moto like client. I, I there's just a lot of times where a lot of cards I can't play with, uh, things in my deck I can't play with because they don't come to moto. So I am happy in that sense, but it is kind of a lot of money for just something that you aren't gonna actually be able to like like physically own. So I don't know if I twenty five dollars love it. <coughs> I would be okay with like maybe like ten fifteen bucks because it's digital. <laughs> Let me, let me ask you this, Krim. If for $25 you can get Transformers on Arena, would you be hyped or would you still think that's overpriced? Uh, I still think that's overpriced. Oh, I thought it's kind of reasonable, the, the price. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean so, so in reality, um, bots will buy it and you can buy them from all the bots, but, you know, the, the quote-unquote EV of the set will be $25, right? So, you know, Megatron and Optimus or whatever would probably be expensive and then... The other ones will be like bulk or something, right? So, um, but you know, like aside from the price, I think the price is you know a little expensive, but <clears throat> excuse me, kind of reasonable. But I'm just excited they got a moto. I'm excited what Daybreak is doing. Like, it's it's the 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 the, the you know the merry situation that we we were hoping it would be, right? That Daybreak would actually yeah. continue to improve moto, and like they're releasing new cards, right? With new ip they probably had to do some stuff to get the ip on um you know on, on the client right so i'm very excited to see what this means for future secret layers and future supplemental products right because like Krim said the worst thing is like oh you know i want to play this commander deck half the cards aren't available on the client because they're in some alternate product right so i think this bodes well and they've started adding the full commander decks again, which is kind of nice. It's kind of the same thing. Rather than putting some cards in the treasure chest, you got to buy it from the store and buy the whole deck. But that does mean every single card in the commander precons are going on Magic Online again. So I think that's a huge improvement. And price-wise, like Richard said, if you don't need all of them, you can probably just snag the ones that you do need from the bots after they release. We'll see how popular they end up being. I think this is a limited print run in the sense that it's only going in the store for a month or two and then they're taking it down so we'll see if they end up being like collectible and expensive in the long run but i'm excited that we i don't even care about transformers but i'm excited that we're actually getting all the all the cards onto arena and can actually try them out so i think it's it's a fine change i think the price is i think the price is fine and we've had issues with treasure chest releases in the past where some of those cards end up really expensive because the supply isn't high enough so yeah 25 dollars 
is a lot, but we could end up in a world where if one of those cards ends up seeing playing Legacy or something weird like that, that a single card ends up more than $25. So maybe this will actually help keep prices in check in its own weird way too. So anyway, that's the digital magic. Oh, I, I got one thing to interject about Daybreak. So they're actually putting in a lot of work. So the the website, uh, the Wizards website that publishes the 5.0 um, league results and like the, the daily challenges and everything, all of that switched when Daybreak took over. So it's actually a new website. It's mtgo.com, or they took over it. The format um, of the, the deck list and everything is different. Ooh. So that means Daybreak rewrote everything. Oh. That means they're actually putting in work. And then they also had weird bugs. Like there was this league where like 19 of 20 decks was modern <laughs> tempo. I'm sure they'll uh, sure like, very happy about it. Like, you know, there's always supposed to choose like one deck or something, right? But it looks like they rewrote the website and they rewrote... Um, the data collection, right? So they're actually putting in work. So I'm kind of excited to see what Daybreak is actually going to do, right? Like they, there could be a world where they release all the data, right? Or they release yeah. like APIs for us to get all the deck data or something, right? Because yeah, they're actually doing stuff. It's not like life support, right? It's actually more support than Wizards ever gave the product. So, so far, I think this has been- a And I think way. part of like the issues we had over the past year of stuff not being added or updated very much, I hadn't really thought about it because they announced the Daybreak thing like a year ago. So I just assumed like it was already in progress and Daybreak was a part of it. But it seems like, and I think Justin Parnell brought this up on a Commander Clash that he's going to be on in the future. But he brought up that maybe the problem was actually that Wizards was still in control of Moto, but they knew they were handing it over to Daybreak. So they had very little motivation to spend any extra resources on like adding Commander decks a few months ago because they knew they were just offloading Moto anyway. So they spent all their time on Arena stuff. And now that Daybreak has it, we actually see all these positive changes, surprisingly. So I would say overall, a pretty good week for Digital Magic, both on Moto and on uh, Magic Arena. So that part's exciting. We also got some spoilers. Richard, we got Jumpstart. We also got these, I don't know why they're calling them Secret Lair cards. It's like the most weirdest deceptive naming that I've ever heard, but they're like event promos. Guide us through some uh, some new Magic cards, Richard. All right. Jumpstart 2022. Uh, we got two cards. Um, one is a new card. One is a reprint. So we got Kibo Utabi Prince, two in a green, two two legendary creature, monkey noble. Uh, tap it. Each player creates a colorless artifact token named Banana. With tap it, sacrifice this artifact. Add a red and green. You gain two life. Whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. That's an ape or a monkey. Whenever Kibo attacks, defending player sacrifices an artifact. It's a I, two-two. I think I thought this card was like a, a infinity card. Like version. How can you complain about universes beyond <laughs> when you have a monkey running around throwing bananas at people? Yeah, <laughs> like <It's> like. A <laughs> It's a baby from the background of Utabi Orangutan. You know it is. I'm not gonna. Don't pop the art up on the screen, Neatuk. But go, if you want, check out the art, and you'll know where where Kibo comes from. Wait, is this actually magic lore? That's my version of magic lore. I okay, think okay, okay. Probably true. Okay. All right, because if we're just going around handing out bananas, there's no way, we're, like Richard had mentioned, we're upset about any universes beyond. But, but Gandalf, how can Gandalf, Gandalf interact with Kibo? Come on, and Little Geary, what are we doing? That is hilarious to me. There's a, there is going to be a game where Gandalf has to be given a banana by by Kibo, and like I, I'm here for Kibo. I think Kibo's hilarious, but like we're giving out bananas. God, I, that, that is hilarious. I love this card. It reminds me of Hearthstone, honestly. Isn't there a hero in Hearthstone that, like, oh, gives people bananas every turn or something? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, King Ukla or something. Yeah, it, re it, reminded, yeah, yeah. it reminded me of that a little bit. It seems like a fun commander, though. Like, if you want to build Ape or Monkey Tribal, this is probably the way to go. It's in the right colors. It's, I don't know, grows your team. I like it. It is weird. I, I mean, like a, a treasure token triggers... Kibo, right? So if yeah. someone is popping off a smothering tide, uh, you're gonna have a crazy army. So yeah, uh, and then you attack someone, and then they they, they sack a mana rock. Uh, so I think Kibo is decent for monkey tribal. I, I remember I tried looking at monkey tribal or something once. It was not 
It was not very. Uh, it was not very good. It was very sparse. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. How are you gonna but, clone your curd ape? But you can you can like curd that. ape in Commander now, man. It's it's the dream. Yeah, apes and monkeys <laughs> together gives you a little bit more flexibility. So I think that's that's probably a good thing. But I don't know. I'd build a commander deck around it. Oh yeah, for sure. I would build a commander I, deck I, around. I want to just go to a magic fest with like a sack of bananas. <laughs> and then when you play people, you like give them a banana. And you're like, oh, thank you. I'm so famished. And then if yeah, if if you want the mana, you literally need to eat the banana. <laughs> if you want the the mana in the life, so yeah, it's like yeah, a you have to earn eating. the mana. Yeah, it's like a banana eating contest combined with a commander game. <laughs> All right, and then next uh, we have a reprint. Uh, this is this is for you, Krim. Anime. Carn liberated. <laughs> uh, I love Seven drop this. Plus four exile target player exiles a card from their hand. Minus three exile target permanent. Minus fourteen restart the game, <laughs> leaving in exile all non aura permanents exiled with Karn. Put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Six starting loyalty. Uh, for those of you who have never played modern, uh, so Karn liberated coming to presumably historic. Yeah, that's speculating jumpstart is gonna be on arena and then into historic. And even scarier, if you actually look at the deck list for this jumpstart pack, not only is it Karn, but it's also all three Tron lands. So if they do add this to historic, we literally have like basically Tron, Ugin, Karn, Wormcoil, all the Tron lands. You can pretty much play modern Tron in historic if this does come <laughs> to Magic Arena. How busted would that be, Grim? I think that's miserable. <laughs> I am not excited to play against Tron whatsoever. Uh, if we're doing that, you may as well. You better put like counterspell and all that stuff from the strict Blood Moon. Stuff. Blood Moon. We need yeah, Blood, Blood Moon, Moon to interact. Uh, Counter, yeah, spreading inter seas. Any because like legitimately, Tron is going to be leagues ahead of a lot of things going on in historic, right? So I, I don't know. I mean, may maybe maybe it's not like leagues ahead, but it is pretty darn good. Uh, I, but I do love this artwork. This artwork is so cool. And it's still like a $20 card, so it's a, a decent value reprint. It's not as much as it used to be before it got reprinted a bunch, but still, it's a it's a card you won't mind opening in one of your Jumpstart packs. So I'm also a little worried about Historic, although I've also kind of just given up on Historic, so maybe I just shouldn't care at this point because I don't really play it much anymore. But I do think yeah, Tron it, will be very unfun. Is it actually strong with all the alchemy cards floating around? I, I don't yeah. know what Historic looks like. Alchemy won't want to, like, like the, the only thing you could do is, like, no, not even, because if Tron lands are there, then it's, like, whatever. They have so much mana. Yeah, no. This this card doesn't care about a good majority of the alchemy cards. But do, do you have map and stirring? Like, can you you're actually missing... get your Tron lands, or are you going to YOLO it and try so to just map. assemble it? You don't so have map. You, do, you don't have map. But you do have, oh, like, Sylvan Scrying. You do have okay, some of the, like, scrying. Chromatic Star, Chromatic Sphere type stuff. At least one of oh. those. So there's okay, enough yeah, literally pieces. literally is just modern Tron. Yeah, it, it's pretty close. Pretty close. Well, that's perfect. So all those modern Tron players that can't play their deck anymore can move to Historic. Move, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the plan. Maybe it's all conspiracy to get modern players And then to they'll put Judd into Historic. Oh, yeah. We'll lose over there, too. We'll Judd all isn't. The boomer modern I mean, Judd basically isn't Historic at this point. Liliana, yeah. Tarmogoy, they kind of... <laughs> they kind of added it already. Uh, well, that'll be interesting. I think Jumpstart, we haven't got confirmation it's coming to Arena, but I believe it's supposed to release in like two weeks or something, like the beginning of December. So I'm expecting we're going to see more spoilers coming out over the next uh, the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that and for the official announcement of whether it'll be on Arena or not. But uh, let's keep moving on. We got two pretty big topics that I want to get to today. One of them wait, is... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh, am we, I missing We have something? the secret layers. We have the oh, secret layers. Oh, I, I almost forget. Not really secret layers, but you can go ahead. Explain explain what these All cards right. are, Richard. This, this is via a Star City Games tweet. I don't know where this came from, but secret layer showdowns at Magic Cons. There'll be a new event, and participants will receive a, uh, a new Fatal Push uh, with a pretty cool art. Uh, top 32 will receive Raghavan. And the winner will receive Brainstorm. Uh, so the winner, so there will be only one winner uh, at each event. So very exclusive secret layer promos for whoever enters uh, these events. Wasn't there a Jace too? Didn't I see some sort of like anime looking Jace the Mind Sculptor? 
Or is that something else? There's like an Urza, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. There's an Urza brainstorm. And then there's a there's a Ragavan with a lot of gold. <laughs> and then a skeleton falling off a mountain with an eye coming off for fatal push. So if I'm understanding this right, there's only one single copy of the card for the winner of this event at each of the the, the magic fest or whatever they are, magic cons. Yeah, assuming there's only one event, like it's possible they run like two events or something, but it's going to be tons. It. It's going to be tiny, a tiny number, right? The real question is, though, I assume Wizards has to print, you know, several of these so they have enough. Will they make a video shredding the extras after oh, the event God. so we don't know that they're not pocketing them or, or you know, <laughs> selling them on the secondary market? <laughs> That's what I, I need to find out. <laughs> Why? Also, why are they calling them secret layers? Why? Like when I saw these, now, I was Seth. like, "Oh, that's cool." A Jason Mind Sculptor secret layer drop or Ragavan secret layer drop. That's like kind of hyped. But then when I actually read about it, it's has no association with what everyone considers secret layers. It's like this... coming in twenty twenty three, Seth. Secret layer booster packs available at your LGS. It's coming. <laughs> it probably is coming. You're probably they not sold, even getting it. Commander singles. decks. Right, yeah. the 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 anniversary thing with like the random foils. That's already a randomized product, right? So yeah, next year they're gonna throw a bone to LGS's secret layer booster packs <laughs> at your LGS. Oh, speaking of secret layer and uh, the 30th anniversary thing, what a disappointment that was. I don't think we mentioned that, but. I know everyone was freaking out about 30th anniversary edition and the thousand dollar proxies, but for me, the fact they made that sweet secret lair drop and then it sold out in like an hour and no one could actually get it and all that, like that was way more disappointing because I thought that was like the 30th anniversary product that was for everyone. Like, oh, anyone can like go get this and it's actually a good deal. And that ended up flopping horribly. So don't do that again, wizards, please. <laughs> that was that was rough. Don't make lots of money for no effort, Seth. What? I mean, don't. <laughs> you don't got to let people buy 30 copies. That's just like asking people to flip and speculate. Let people buy four so you get a play set or something and spread it out a little more. It'll still sell out. Just like, just like I mean, spread it, it should out be a one. Bit. It should be one, right? Like if it's a limited product, like one. And they should also make a system where you don't have to F5 mash and hope your nah. you know, website loads, right? Like there should be some lotto or something, right? Or anything to reward your loyal fans that, that want a chance at this right rather than who has the fastest internet connection who's awake at that time who's not at work or whatever right so yeah i mean i don't know they keep doing this like literally their whole thing is to sell limited exclusive things and they still can't get it right so weird but they make lots of money so it's okay yeah, do they make i mean they they do make lots of money but we'll we'll get to that we'll get to we'll get to that so are we are we good with promos any any thoughts Krim, on any of the promos or anything before we move on not really i mean other than that yo that ragavan looks kind of cool the ragavan the art is cool the fatal push art's cool like all the art from these look really sweet and i bet they'll be really expensive i know i kind of memed on the flesh and blood shredding thing but their promos that were one per event for winners of events those ended up being close to, I think, 10K a piece. So I would not be surprised if the ones that are like only for first place end up being incredibly valuable on the secondary market. So we'll, we'll see once we get more events. But anyway, let's move on to the meat of the podcast, the Is Magic Dying part of the podcast. And let's start with, with Aaron Forsythe's question from a couple of days ago, which I'm just going to read the tweet word for word and we'll go from there. Aaron says, over the past few years, standard play has dried up in many stores. I have my own list of possible reasons, but I'd love to hear from you about your store community. Why has sanctioned standard play declined relative, relative to other formats in your store? So basically... From the horse's mouth, from Wizards, standard paper play is kind of dying in the last few years. Why? Why do we think that standard paper play is dying? I mean, it, it, I, I think standard is probably just dying because of the, like how bad it was for a few years, right? And then on top of that, like the only... Like, like a lot of people probably want to play it on sta like standard on Arena, but then Arena's economy is expensive, so like... I don't know. It, it just like magic overall has gotten too expensive and everyone would rather just play commander, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. definitely a, a part of it, at least. I find it weird that they're asking this like after it's like really dead. Yeah. They, they should have been asking this like when it started to keel over, right? But like we, we knew this was like we had the streak of bad standards, uh, which makes gameplay miserable. But remember you 
didn't want to buy a deck, right? You buy a deck and then it might get banned out the next week. Yeah. Right? Or you just might get smashed into the ground by whatever gets released in the next set. So it was very pricey. Um, you know, it's already pricey because it rotates a lot, but now it just rotates on a whim, right? With their frequent bannings and, and power pushes. And there's an alternative, right? There's Magic Arena if you want to play Standard, but also you can just play Commander now, right? Where you can play... Um, Modern also rotates, so you don't want to do that. But you can play the older formats. You have more options. You have Pioneer, Explorer, and whatnot. So, yeah, I think everyone knows it's dead, and there's just no reason. I was actually talking to people at Magic 30 uh, or at, at Vegas, and you know, in past years when we went, people would ask to play 1v1. They'd be like, yeah. you want to play Standard or you want to play Modern? Yeah. Uh, I actually asked like random people, like, do you have any 60-card decks on you? Everyone was like, no. <laughs> right like it's just all commander right like it's just it's not worth buying a standard deck and if you bought one like where are you gonna play <laughs> right you have yeah. no one to play with so then you know why, why even bother right so i think i think standard's been dead for a while and i think it's a bit late to revive it they should have they should have did this like two three years ago while there was still a hope <laughs> i i will say i agree with both of your points that you've made so far i think those are all factors i will say the one issue with doing this two years ago was the pandemic, which I think is another, like, I, I don't think that that's an excuse for standard failing. I think that that was going to happen either way because of all those other factors, but it would make it hard for Wizard to be like, hey, let's boost paper standard when everything's shutting down. You can't go out to the local game store. So I think that's another factor. I think the pricing you mentioned is a big one, especially with the rise of Commander. If you look at a paper standard deck and it's four or $500, yeah. Standard is just so expensive because of all those rotations. It's got to look much more appealing to be like, wow, I'll spend that 500 bucks on a commander deck that I can play for the next 10 years. Or maybe like a few budget commander decks. Think of how much fun you could have with that $500 building like Tomer's budget commander decks. You could have a bunch of different commander decks. So I think that also plays into it. So I have it as like arena's part of it, giving players another option. Commander becoming another option is part of it. The pandemic is part of it. I think all those factors just kind of hit standard at the same time on top of like like the horrible metas that Krim was talking about. All those things happened around the same time. And I don't know if standards ever coming back. I think it'll still be a thing online, but could you imagine a world of like, here's 3000 people at a GP playing standard or like, it wasn't that long ago that that's what magic was about. Like, are we ever going to have that again? Are we ever going to have like standard FNMs with a bunch of people? When I talk to people, they say most of their stores don't even do standard FNMs anymore. They do like commander nights or like sometimes modern FNMs in some stores. Is standard just over? Have we moved past that? I mean, they started printing cards into eternal formats, right? If you yeah. if you go back, we never put cards directly into modern. Mm. We never put cards directly, mm. um, you know, like specifically for commander, right? We had like one product a year for it and that was it. So those formats were quote unquote stale, right? And you know, there, there was a solved meta. And for you to get your, your fresh new look at cards, you would play standard, right? So you could see a rotating format, you could see new cards. But now modern rotates every year with modern horizons, right? Commander rotates like every like commander supplemental product. Like you can keep playing these formats and have them, you know, having them look brand new to you like every like four months. What's the point of standard, right? Like it's just lower powered with the same rotation frequency. So um, it makes it really hard to invest in cards, right? oh. especially since standard cards are expensive. And I think the, the other thing we didn't mention is kind of the disorganization of organized play. Like, I think five years ago, there were some people who knew Standard was a tough investment because of rotation and possible bannings. But if you're like, okay, I'm a grinder. I'm going to go and, like, do qualifiers, and I'm going to use those to parlay into a pro tour. And that was your goal and how you interacted with Magic. You probably bought Standard decks by default just so you could do your competitive thing. But once OP kind of ended and we had the MPS, and then sort of like the end of OP altogether, but we got a little bit of it now. I think it took that away too. So you didn't have that crowd of like grinders buying standard decks anymore or supporting standard at their LGS. There's no qualifiers. There's no, why Why go to FNM to practice for a qualifier that's coming up if there's no qualifier? So I think that organized play is also like another level of failure that uh, contributed to standards paper demise. Hmm. All right, well, let's move on to... <laughs> Even more exciting news. Just this morning, the hot news in the magic world is uh, we kind of broke outside the, the magic realm. And we have mainstream finance sites talking about magic today with Bank of America coming out in, wow, uh, 
being incredibly harsh about Wizards and Hasbro, Wizard uh, Richard, why don't you summarize what uh, what the Bank of America had to say about uh, where Magic is headed? All right. Uh, so there was a report <laughs> for investors, uh, and they got they got a double downgrade. So they usually give companies a grade on what they think the forecast will be, and uh, we went all the way to I think underperform. Yeah. And they called out things like um excessively high prices for 30th anniversary 999 uh you know basically all the things magic players are complaining about it seems like bank of america is aware of these things uh like the the overabundance of printing the switching to commander as the primary format all of these things uh so they're saying don't buy hasbro stock um and the the company got a severe downgrade this is important outside of magic uh, because like if you're a Joe Schmo investor and you don't know anything about Hasbro or Magic the Gathering or whatever, right? You kind of read these reports to to get your initial information. Uh, so you know, word on the street is Hasbro is not looking good, and that's what everyone's gonna hear. Uh, killing, what do you guys think? And then the, the stock is down nine percent today, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's <clears throat> unfortunate. My theory was that if I made really good against the odds, uh, Hasbro stock price through the through the roof to the moon but apparently it doesn't actually work that way so um i mean a lot of what they said i would agree with a lot of what they said is what the community's been saying like stop printing so many products there's too many products these prices are absurd stop raising your prices a thousand dollar proxies so a lot of it just echoed what the community's already been saying for the last year or two so i thought that was interesting this is coming from a very different perspective of like an investment bank but they're still kind of saying the same thing as players the one part i wasn't completely sold on is they did seem to think a little bit that like high prices are good and that's where as a player i tend to like disagree like uh, the idea that like oh they're they're gonna drop the prices of these collectibles too much that's where i'm like not super happy with their line of thinking just because as a player i would rather have cards be cheaper i don't think that the problem right now is that wizards is like printing too many copies of any individual card and crashing its prices i think they're printing too many products and over printing some of those products we were talking a couple weeks ago about how innistrad was on sale like everywhere even wizards had that huge sale through amazon because they just printed way too much of it and that does have a ripple effect if you're an lds that bought a ton of innistrad expecting to sell a ton of it and then found out that you can't actually sell it and you're stuck with it that's going to hurt your bottom line and make you less likely to order a bunch of the next set so i think a lot of what it said uh is actually very true the only part i i had a problem with was the kind of the idea that like oh high prices are good we want we want individual card prices to be high because they're collectibles that's one part i didn't like i'm sure it's correct from bank of america's standpoint or from a collector's standpoint but uh as a player i would rather see cards be cheap well, they actually explicitly called out 30th anniversary as being excessively high. Oh, and that, that, I mean, everyone agrees. It everyone is, agrees yeah. with that. Like, <laughs> no. Even Bank of America doesn't like 30th anniversary. <laughs> Look how much money they have, guys. Uh, so funny enough, the, the author of the report actually reached out to me uh, to ask for permission to use the price graphs. Um, so we were actually reading this information secondhand, but apparently if you grab the full report, there might be an MTG Goldfish price graph. Hey! That's cool. uh, I don't know if they actually used it, but then they also, uh, he also asked me uh, if I wanted to do an interview uh, anonymously, uh, but I didn't have time because we were just coming back from, uh, well, we were at or coming back from Vegas, but he's basically saying like, you know, this is, what do you think about my general tone? And he basically said, you know, everything's excessively overprinted, everything's overpriced, player fatigue. And I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with all that. I don't have time for an interview. But we cover it extensively on the MTG Goldfish podcast, so you just tune in. <laughs> yes, good, good point. point of views on uh, what Hasbro is doing. Uh, so, yeah, we caused the downfall of Hasbro. Good job, guys. <laughs> so do you think this changes anything with Hasbro? Like, we've all been saying this, and I think the community feels like Wizards doesn't actually hear it. And they just, they are making so much money in the short term that when someone's like, hey, you're printing too many products, like long term, this could be, you know, a bad thing. You're overwhelming people or it's too much to keep up on. It seems like Wizards doesn't necessarily hear that or Hasbro doesn't. Does Bank of America saying that change anything? Like, is that a voice that would get through and actually make change at Hasbro or Wizards? Or their stock price plummeting, which is apparently yeah, happening today? The stock, 
I think the stock price plummeting will cause wizards to look at it. But I, I, I don't think this was hidden, right? If you just look at the... I know I've seen some graphs on social media of like the number of products printed or the number of new cards printed by year. Like it is going up at insanely high rate that anyone look at it, you're like, it's headed for a bubble, right? Like it's, it's going to have to pop, right? Like your player base is not growing that fast. Uh, but in Hasbro's mind, they probably have a plan, right? Like they have some plan to keep it going, right? Like that's their, like everyone in the bubble believes they can keep the bubble going. But usually that's not the case. Um, and I also will say that this report may be overly harsh. Like everyone's stock is down. Everyone looks terrible, right? Like people are like, oh, you know, Twitter's looking so bad since Elon Musk took over. I'm like, maybe say what you will without him, but like everyone's stock looks bad, right? Like Facebook, like, like the whole stock market is like horrendous, right? So, um, that's a bit to be expected. Uh, and then. This report is kind of doubling down on that. And then Hasbro actually is horrendous today compared to everyone else. Uh, everyone else is kind of neutral. And then Hasbro's down 9% as a direct result of this report. Um, but Time it's important to, to take context, right? Like everyone's <laughs> stock is terrible, right? Everyone's profits down. Like we're coming off of kind of the, the free COVID money where everyone just got like free money for COVID and they spent it. And then now it's gone. Uh, so, so yeah, but this is concerning and... I, I feel maybe the author was part of the magic community. Uh, you know, th this looks like a very entrenched player who knows kind of the in and outs of like everything Wizards is doing. They're probably complaining about Arena somewhere in here <laughs> and like universes beyond, right? <laughs> so I, I, I don't know, right? But it, it is bad news that like your mom and dad will read this and they'll be like, well, sell the Hasbro stock, right? And yeah. when Hasbro stock goes down, what does that mean? Churn out the secret layers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, sell more cards, make more money, right? Like, what do we need? We need we need blackboard and black lotus reprint now. How do how can we get this into players' hands, right? Like, so I'm a bit concerned about this. Like, Hasbro will not like this, and they will do something to make more money. And what will they do? And will it actually be good for the game? What do you think about the collectability aspect? That's one thing that was a little contentious on on Twitter when everyone was talking about this. One of the things they point out in another another article, a CNBC article that was paywalled, but they mentioned that the aggregate price of reserve list cards peaked in 2021 at $250,000 and it's now down to $150,000. So that's a, a pretty meaningful decline in like a year. And they also say that they think uh, that because because of secondary market conditions in Magic, it's pushing people who want to collect or invest in cards into Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh and Flesh and Blood. Do you think that we have a problem with Magic being a collectible? Like, is that an actual concern? Or do we do we even need collectors? I've always been in the get rid of the reserve list camp. But is, is there a concern that the game actually does depend on its collectability to some extent and seeing all these secret layers and all these different versions of cards being printed? Like, could that be hurting the game as a whole? Do we actually need these collectors to be keeping the game going and keeping uh, prices high enough for Wizards to keep supporting it or to Hasbro to keep supporting Wizards? I mean, I, 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 I've, I guess, like, I've always thought that the collectors were, like, you know, the, the ones that are buying, like, every collector booster, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I have to imagine that they are important to some extent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I'm a collector now. I, I didn't used to be, right? Like, I will buy Transformers cards just to have them. I will not play them. They probably suck. I have no idea what they do, but I just want them, right? And just like I bought Bob Ross Secret Lair. I don't know, right? Like, that that's collecting, right? I, I am not like the alpha investments hoard 8,000 boxes and hope they go up. But I am just buying things for fun and putting them on my shelf and calling it a day, right? Which I didn't used to do ever, Right. So I think I've become a, a collector in some regards there and I'm just not a, a whale collector. Uh, so I think it is important. Right. Because no matter how bad the game is, you will still collect. Right. It doesn't matter how bad the pieces are or what the meta is. I'm like, oh, Final Fantasy. I'll buy that. Thank you. Put it in my pocket. Call it a day. Right. So I think collectors are important. That's not to say players are not important. Uh, I think the the success of Magic over the years is it, it's actually a good game on top of being highly collectible. Um, but uh, I, I think both aspects are important.
Do you think people are actually selling out because of 30th anniversary? That's something else that article said is like people are actively selling out their collections because sort of the, the break in the reserve list thing or the, the spirit of the reserve list with getting these cards reprinted. Do you think that's an actual fact? Like I, I haven't heard, you always hear people say that. Like you heard people say that about Walking Dead and whenever some big things happen, there's going to be someone on Reddit or social media that's I'm selling my collection. I'm done with this. I always wonder how many of those people actually do it. Do you think people actually are doing it this time because of 30th anniversary edition? Enough enough people for it to actually yes. be meaningful. I would have. Right? Like, let's say you bought a Wheel of Fortune, right? Why is it so expensive? Because it's reserveless, but also because it's highly playable, right? Like, it's not like it has cool art or something, right? It's actually a really good card. And who plays with it? Commander players. But now that Commander players just freely play with proxies, like, who's keeping the value of my wheel of fortune up nobody right so at wizards is trying to get wheel of fortunes into the hands of players right by printing gold border cards so if i was holding reserveless cards i would be very afraid and i i would have actually unloaded them um i i think the kind of the the illusion shattering with people now freely adopting proxy like the proxy controversy is over Right. Like if we had a podcast a year ago, people would be like, oh, proxy's good. Proxy's bad. Everyone's like, yeah, proxies. Right. So that that war has been lost by Hasbro. Uh, so I would be scared to hold on to cards for playability. Right. Because how long until another gold border dual land comes out further diluting the value or, you know, heaven forbid, a black border dual land. They, they figure it out or, you know, they, they power creep it or whatever. Right. So I would not be comfortable holding reserveless cards. I, uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, I, I, I wasn't comfortable holding them anyways for a while, so I kind of got rid of a good chunk of mine. So, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's not because Magic 30 cards are going to decrease prices. That's not what my concern is. But it's that Magic 30 just, like you said, totally legitimized proxies. We were talking about a couple weeks ago about me selling a Mox Diamond while we were in Vegas. When I was thinking about that card, I was like, well, first off, I'm probably never going to play it. And then if I ever did build like a CDH deck and I was going to play this, I can very easily just make a proxy. Why would I possibly need $600 worth of Mox Diamond cardboard sitting around my house? There's It literally has no value to me anymore. When before, even a few months ago, I might have had an argument for holding on to it to use for a CDH deck. Because I was always like, I kind of want a CDH deck, but... I don't know. It feels weird to have half of it be proxied, but then because of Magic Thirty, it's just what I'll just I'll proxy the whole thing if I want to, and no one's gonna care anymore. Like the like you said, the battle's over. So I think that is a reason for me to not hold on to as many Magic cards personally. So I also think that it's it probably is happening. Do you think Wizard knew that was gonna happen? Like, do you think Wizards thought through with Magic Thirty? What we're actually doing is we're just going to completely legitimize proxies, whether we want to or not, and it's worth it anyway because we're going to make a bunch of money. Or do you think they just did not see that unintended consequence of 30th anniversary edition? There's no way they saw it. They couldn't have, right? There's no way they would have I think in two years from now, we'll be like, why aren't Commander players buying cards anymore, (laughs) right? That'll be the tweet, right? I I feel Wizards learned about this when they made gold-bordered cards like way back and then they're like oh crap we should never do this again (laughs) right and then like those people probably left the company or whatever right like the the knowledge was lost in the in the years since then and they they tried it again and i think they really screwed themselves here right like like that said like why should i spend any money on super expensive cards now right like i can just proxy it yeah uh so it's I don't know. It's, I think they kind of screwed themselves. Right. And like how quickly people changed on proxy stances is like frightening to me. Right. Like normally with such a divided thing, it would take a long time, but like overnight, everyone was just like pro proxy. And I think that is bad news for wizards. And the only thing keeping players is secret layers, but you can proxy the secret layers too, man. Like (laughs) here's the magic with ink. You can print anything you want. Nobody would even know. yeah, and like who's gonna check? Everything's unsanctioned. Yeah. Right? Like if you went to a a vintage tournament or a legacy tournament with fake cards, you're like, I risk losing everything, right? I flew out here, I paid for the event, and if someone finds my fake cards, I am DQ'd, right? I'm gonna lose everything, all the time I spent grinding, whatever's gone to waste. So I will not, right? I will play by the rules. But now someone calls you out, 
maybe you pack up your commander cards and go home and call it a day. Like, you know, there's like no loss, right? You know, so I I feel Wizards has really kind of screwed themselves with this. And I think we're going to see the consequences in the years to come where people are not willing to buy expensive things anymore. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that I, and I think Wizards 100% did it to themselves. You mentioned like the super quick change with all of a sudden everyone accepting proxies. That was 100% just because of 30th anniversary. Like that is the catalyst for that change. So it was it was a decision Wizards made to try to sell $1,000 proxies. And instead of, I mean, I'm sure they will sell them, but instead of making a bunch of money from $1,000 proxies, they're going to make a bunch of money from $1,000 proxies and then lose a lot of money in the future, I think, because people are now learning they don't need their cards to be real cards to be able to get enjoyment out of them. So anyway, any other thoughts on any of this stuff before we finally get to fish mail? We got to do some fish mail. It's been a few weeks since we've actually gotten to it. So all right, Richard. Fishmail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Holy Schmidt 666 I was wondering how the early access events on Arena works for content creators. Do you guys get a separate game mode server? Do you play with all the cards? You have to buy the set directly. Ah, so early access is basically it's its own server. I don't understand that end of things, but it's got to be its own server, I think, because it's not public to anyone else. But they set up its own yeah. server. You get an account that's full of all the cards. And if you are missing some of the cards, which like from the newest set you usually are, um, you, you have infinite gems and gold, so you can just craft whatever you need. So basically, that's it. And you get 24 hours to do whatever you want, essentially. You can only play best of one standard in limited. There's no best of three. There's no historic or explore or anything. But within those confines, you just get all the cards, all the cosmetics, and go to town, essentially. Well, did I miss anything, Krim? No. I think, yeah, like it is a loaded account. And, yeah, you'll just get to create whatever, and then you get queued up with exactly whoever else is on that server. Oh, it's also interesting that the account is the same every time. Have you noticed that? Every time I get, yeah. they send you a new password and you have to download a new client, but it's got all my decks from the last one. I have all like my, my Dominary United decks are still in the account and I have to like delete them all and make all the new ones. So apparently the account stays with you from event to event, basically. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about the Magic Online early access of it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Coming soon. Maybe Daybreak will add that. They're adding a lot of stuff. Maybe early access is next. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. This We didn't talk about this, but what are your thoughts uh, from Eleven Vicious? What are your thoughts on the state of Magic Hasbro with the CFO retiring while the Hasbro stock is at an all-time low? Um the CFO retired, apparently, in all of this. Do you think that means anything? I don't think it was 100% clear if she... Re well, I mean, she did retire officially. Whether or not she wanted to or she was forced out because of their bad Q3 results, from what I've read, isn't like 100% clear, the behind-the-scenes aspect. Uh, it's someone who had been at the company for like 20 or 25 years though. So that's, you were talking about maybe the lack of like institutional knowledge with some things, how people leave and forget things. That is someone who definitely has to know the ins and outs of Hasbro and Wizards just cause they've been there so long. But I, I don't think that's the big issue with the stock price. Yeah. That means things are, if you've been there like 20 years and you get fired, that means things are not going well. <laughs> Right, like you, yeah. like the, the ship was okay for twenty years, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my goodness, we got to do something!" Right, and you get fired, or you know, forced to retire. Either way, right? Like, so we really hope it's a, like a true retiring, and not a you better retire to you know save face, yeah. Right? Because uh, you know, a firing would be very bad, right? After twenty years of the same person, um, but yeah, I can't. Yeah, well, anytime like you have a leadership shakeup, that means things are not doing well, right? But uh, hopefully whoever comes in will do something better. That's the hope, right? Like the, the new person will fix things, but I don't know. Do you think the CEO could be at risk at all? Like, cause remember like a year or two ago, we got the oh, wizard yeah. CEO, got promoted to Hasbro and now the stock price is getting killed and shareholder meetings not going well. Like, could we see him get dumped at some point? Is that how this stuff works? You got to blame someone. Yeah, like, so, I mean, you can't go any so higher we, than we that. We blame Mark Rosewater. <laughs> you know, shareholders blame CEO. Yeah. Right? So, so whether he can fix it enough to not get fired is the question, right? But someone, someone is always the fallen, and it's yeah. probably a CEO in this case, right? Yeah. 
Uh, Joe Pat Payton 96. Does Richard play ingenious mastery in every deck with blue? Uh, like he does a secret rendezvous. It's pretty awesome. Is that the X two blue, uh, draw X cards, but then if you pay three, like yes. they make two treasures? No. Or, yeah. What do they do? They, no, no, no. They make two. This is, uh, uh, you may, what is this it's one? a, you may rather than pay the spells mana cost. If this cost was paid, you draw three cards. Then an opponent creates two yeah. treasure tokens. That they scry two. The cost wasn't paid. You draw X cards. Yeah, so it's like Secret Rendezvous. You make two treasures and scry two. So I play this sometimes. I, I am aware of this card, but I don't play blue that frequently. So that's that's number one. I play way more white than I play blue. And I also like giving people cards and treasure tokens. Yeah. Um, treasure. I, I feel like very scary things can come off of treasure tokens, whereas cards, you're constricted with mana. Like I, I won't Secret Rendezvous the person that is like quadruple ramped, right? Because like bad things will happen. I will Secret Rendezvous the person who is mana screwed. Right, but this gives people uh, mana and a scry, so this one's a little riskier. But uh, it's the same vein. I think this is it's still a three mana draw three. I think that's really strong. But I just don't play blue as much. But I, I would play this. I do play this sometimes. It feels less necessary in blue to me compared to white, just because you have so many card draw options. Like in white, you have secret rendezvous and not much else. But in blue, like you have so many things that can draw cards. Maybe this is a little more efficient if you're willing to give your opponent the treasures, but. I don't know. I don't play this card, period. I think it's too too risky and just unnecessary when you have so much blue card draw. I think the card is terrible. <laughs> well, but it, it scales. You can draw like 10 off of it in the late game. <laughs> you know, they print. They Better print. ways to do that. <laughs> they print one of these every commander year now. Like every every new commander precon, there's some blue X card draw spell. So it's just like, I don't know. It doesn't excite me anymore. The, the problem is if you have a blue sun zenith on turn three and you're mana screwed, like that's that's your game, right? Like you can't draw anything, right? Whereas this thing will still let you draw three. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, the two treasures, though, that's a lot of mana. That's a lot of mana. It's a little it's a little scary, but I, I'm more scared of giving people treasure than cards. Um, but I think it's still a good card. I think people. I think this is severely underplayed. I think people should play this a lot more. Sleeper. I'm I'm a believer in the secret <laughs> rendezvous. Um. All right. Last question. Cybertrash seventy four. You've all been answering our fish mail for a long time. Now it's your turn. What's a question you've always wanted to ask the MTG Goldfish community? Oh. Wow. I have never thought this through. Do either of you have one? I gotta think on it. That's a tough one. That is like a really tough one. So I, I've always wondered, like, how much do people spend on magic proportional to like their other entertainment expenses? Because it always astounds me how much money people spend on Magic the Gathering. It's like, oh, you know, I started playing Magic the other day and I just spent $500 on EDH deck. I'm like, what? Like, like what like like why how right like did they just cut all of their other expenses did they sell their ps5 or something and buy a magic deck or are they just insanely rich right like this is just normal and this is actually not a big amount so I, i'm actually curious what the profile is because like we always see people spending lots of money like magic 30 sells out uh 30th anniversary sells out secret layer they can make over 500 i'm sure it will sell out like, where's all this money coming from? And, like, what are people doing to acquire this money? So that that would be my question. Maybe we're that all, is like, a, yeah. we're all, like, bougie Black Lotus VIP lounge. <laughs> MTG Goldfish community, right? Or maybe we all have, like, computers from 10 years ago because we can't afford to upgrade them because we keep buying secret layers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Seth. I need to know the answer. Oh, that, that is a good I, one. I would like to know the answer to that too, actually. <laughs> I'm curious if you all watch, like, cause there's a thing where it's like, well, everybody that Anime. watches magic content, <laughs> right? They, they, they only watch like specifically magic content, right? I'm curious if people watch just gaming, Twitch streams, whatever content outside of magic. Hmm. I know. Well, not much. But you actually know that, though. If you look at your Twitch <laughs> analytics, they, you can actually tell if they watch other games outside of Magic or uh, other streamers. So that answer is somewhere in your Twitch that, analytics. For for Twitch, yes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, like, like, but does YouTube tell you that? Yeah. Well, that would be YouTube interesting does not. to know. 
I think I would like to know, and there's probably a better question if I had more time to think about it, but I would be curious how people found us. Like, do people just stumble across MTG Goldfish in Google search? Like, see it on social media? Do you see it against the odds posted on Reddit? Like, how did you come to know what Goldfish was? Like, and what the YouTube was and what this podcast was? So I'd be very curious, just like, how do people actually, what is the pathway for people finding our content or our website or anything like that. Cause I, I'm really not hundred percent sure if it like, does it go from the website to the YouTube and the podcast or do people find the podcast or the YouTube and then end up on the website or the Twitch. So I, I would be curious what that pathway is. All right. So uh, that's homework for everyone. So yes. drop your Leave it in the comments, <laughs> in the comments, either on Twitter or on YouTube. And uh, we will finally get answers to our, our burning questions. And uh, if you have future questions, you can send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 407 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about the release of Brothers War and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Thank you.